Welcome to week 14 of Game Theory and Money. As we are in the stretch run, uh, a lot of excitement. Really, we've started to feel it surrounding the podcast because of what we start with, Cynthia, the playoff odds. And for those of you that are just tuning in because you're excited about your team either making a run to the Super Bowl or flirting with a playoff berth, uh, just to give you a quick thumbnail, I get in the way of Cynthia's big brain. She is a predictive analytics expert, has the education to back it up from a fine institution like Northwestern right there on the glorious banks of Lake Michigan in Evanston, Illinois. And she runs her model, which is 10,000 computer simulations of each of these contests to better predict what's going to happen in the NFL this upcoming weekend and throughout the remainder of the season, hence the playoff odds. Anything you'd like to add to that, Cynthia? I always speak for you in the open. I feel bad doing that, but I know you won't pat yourself on the back, so I am more than happy to do it. I mean, the only thing that the only thing I think you're missing is probably that my grammar is terrible and yours is that's where you like to really <laughs> help me out with all of this. I, terrible grammar. Okay. My grammar also terrible. Nope. Um, so I add nothing. Um, <laughs> But let's, let's get started, Cynthia, because we have playoff odds. You post these on your Twitter feed regularly. Uh, people freak out. Oh, they do. Because it's kind of funny. It is. I mean, when your team <laughs> is projected to not make the playoffs, when you are currently in the playoffs, uh, people get awfully upset. So why don't we start with the AFC and uh, just run through it and maybe highlight a couple of the big changes that you've seen this week. So running through it really quick, right now, my projections in order, top 10, Patriots, Steelers, Jags, Titans. Chargers, Chiefs, and then just outside on the outside looking in, Ravens, Bills, Raiders, and Bengals. And Ravens are just outside. Well, that's what I was going to say. I'll right. jump in. Hence me, I guess, uh, giving you the pretext of people get awfully upset oh, they're, they're, when you're they're, in and then the they Ravens are out. The Ravens. The uh, Ravens. And we thought maybe the – I mean, granted, they have the Pittsburgh Steelers this week. We projected that as a loss. But we thought last week when we talked about this that the tipping point for both of these teams, the Lions and the Ravens, was going to be that game. And the one team that came out of it winning – the one team that came out of it losing would then be going in opposite directions. Yet here, and I think it's important to point out, you're talking about one-tenth of one percent. It is one-tenth so, of a percent. Yes. Dear Ravens fans, yes, so you're certainly, probably going to make it to the playoffs. You just need to see what happens this week, especially with the Chiefs. We're really confused about the Chiefs, what happens in the AFC. West will determine what happens in the playoff situation. Yeah, because as we talked about last week, if you're not – if you don't currently have the Baltimore Ravens remaining schedule in your mind's eye, uh, just after think, dub, they, dub, dub, well, exactly, they go to Pittsburgh, the, but then Pittsburgh. it's at Cleveland, Indianapolis at home, Bengals at home. So you right. feel pretty good about those last three games. But again, who knows? Uh, we've talked about Cleveland needs to get that one win. You just feel like it's going to happen because teams almost never, and by almost never, it's happened once in the history of the league go zero and 16 and that looks to be maybe especially with the return of Josh Gordon the one game that could be interesting but that's looking way ahead let's get to the teams that are locked in there and you mentioned the Patriots the Steelers um, at the top and how big of a gap or is that a big gap between those teams and the rest of the pack the Patriots have now reached 100% playoff odds people get so mad at me because they're like they haven't lost especially the math people I, I am part of those those Twitter conversations in my timeline as well. And that uh, you're you're a math person. It's, it's still a statistical probability that they could miss the playoffs. Why would you put 100? percent You know that's inaccurate. You're supposed to be the one that gives us the exact right. So what what is behind that? Because I read it and I don't know what to reply. I just like give them an emoji thumbs up or something, and then I'm I'm on my way. So what what is it with the 100? percent Even though it's not 100. percent So after the certain number of 99.99999999. It becomes such a small number that it's not even worth 
putting as the 99.9, right? Like in that case, once it's so high, they're going to the playoffs. Now, do, does it mean they're going to end up first in the How playoffs? How many nines do you want to see when you'll still make it 99.9? If like, it goes like 99.9991, will you keep it 99.9? <laughs> like where is that? I'm trying to figure out what decimal point out so it is. So here's how I kind of do Thousands, it. millions, when it comes to the When it comes to the playoff odds, once you get past about three nines, then it's 100%. You're go 100. Or okay. it'll be the next percentage up. I will still reflect in the divisional that they haven't locked their divisional situation up yet. And that's where you'll see. So when you see just the playoff odds that we do, they make an awesome video. And the cool video has 100%. And people will get bananas oh, in they there. they freak but out. I love it. It's so great. So then if, when, you, when I tweet out the picture that shows, like, the division and the Super Bowl odds with it, you'll see the 99.9. There. If you don't think the the Patriots are going to make the playoffs, um, you can we we can talk about sandwiches, and I'll I'll actually make you a sandwich, and then you can make me a uh, sandwich if they don't. For right? So, yeah, they love bologna sandwiches on my timeline this week. So. The uh, the one thing I'll point out too for all the Raven fans that are upset about the Ravens slipping to number seven, the division number crept up. That's right. Um, because you got that head to head this week, and it, it's interesting because we kind of talk about the Patriots and Steelers, and then a gap between the rest of the AFC. Um, but when you see the Steelers at only 81.4% to win the division, you know how important this week's matchup is. It really and you is. know what those contests look like between these two teams. And you have to realize that when you have Ravens versus Steelers, the model will have a confidence interval of like Pittsburgh, uh, you know, winning 56% of the simulations. So 56% of the simulations is less than the potential for, you know, what I have for the Chargers this week to win their game. So if you, that's kind of when you when you look at like each individual week sort of adding up on top of each other, you have to think, okay, 56%, well, okay, then that turns into 100% if the Ravens win or it turns into 0% if they lose. So it, you remember it it shifts backwards and then goes forward. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Yeah. Um, not a tremendous amount of sense, but uh, <laughs> I, I know where you're going with it. I'm not going to try to pretend like I can add to that. So well, what I'll right. what I will add though is the projections for the AFC South, um, and that is 92 plus percent for the Jags, nearly 90 percent for the Titans, and a lot of that is remaining schedule and the fact that the two of them have pretty darn good records against the AFC, which is the lead tiebreaker. Right. Tiebreakers. Um, Everyone needs to remember tiebreakers. People, it's very confusing. You can like Google it. There's some pretty good, really succinct articles on Google. Maybe I'll uh, find the best one and tweet it out later. But you have to remember those tiebreakers are what really makes the big difference here, especially when the Jags and Titans are so much ahead of the rest of their division. The Titans is the one I'm, I'm interested in mm -hmm. because they're eight and four right now, mm -hmm. um, and I believe that ten and six, that a ten and six team very very well may miss the playoffs in the wild card. Um, their last two games are against the Jags and the Rams. Mm -hmm. Now, they already beat the Jags once, um, and they beat them at their place. So they get them at home to end the season. I think we would agree the Rams are a considerably better team. Wait, what week is that? Than the Titans. That's week 16. So week 16, which means do you think that the Rams – so looking ahead at the Rams' schedule, when you see, like, when they could potentially – be number one in the NFC That's the West. thing. Like, they're, they're not resting anyone. The Rams are not. Like, they, they are still they, – they very well are still working on a bye. You know, I mean, they are still in that. If they beat the Eagles this week, they're now pushing for a bye. And granted, they'd have to finish a game better than the Vikings because they lost the head-to-head -to, -head to get the number one overall seed. But I don't know how easy games at Arizona and at San Francisco are anymore. You know, I, I think it's – that that's – that's the interesting thing about the Titans is it's they don't play the games on paper, and that looks like a little bit more arduous of a path than maybe people initially thought. 
The two that have the potential to fall out, and I'm actually a little surprised, the Chiefs could easily fall out and the Titans could easily fall out despite having such high odds right now. But you have to remember, it's almost impossible to project a complete change in a team without anything on the field. So, for example, Jimmy Garoppolo's number numbers are now added into San Francisco's numbers. So when you project that matchup, they are factored in. But then you have, like, major changes on their side, like Marcus Peters being out. Like, that will change the, the, the Chiefs. So personnel, I don't know week to week. I couldn't have predicted that Marcus Peters would not be playing in this game. And so I had to redo the projections with him not playing in this game to change the matchups. But I can't predict out two weeks from now, is Gronk going to be in? Is You know what I mean? Like, I project people who are, like, if they're if they're listed as available, then they are in the projection. Right. And we'll get into that, too, because right. I know a lot of people are wondering what happens to the Steelers' odds without Ryan Chazier. And we talked about this before. I can before, talk about that. Yeah, before the, Super the pod. Impactful. So we'll, we'll get into that in the game, mm -hmm. perhaps, preview um, with the Ravens. Just quickly, um, to, to put a wrap on the, the playoff odds for the AFC, between the three teams, the Chargers, the Chiefs, and the Raiders, they are all tied right now at 6-6. Six and six. The Raiders and Chiefs go at it this week. Next week, it's the Chargers and the Chiefs. And then in Week 17, it's the Chargers and the Raiders. So these three teams are going to figure it out yep. in games between themselves. Yep. Um, right now, you have the Chargers as the favorite to win the division at 46%. Can you, can you elaborate on that? Is there any reason why? Is it remaining games against the Redskins? And the, uh, and the Jets or in other teams' remaining games? How does that work out? The banged-up uh, Redskins, who they're facing right. this week, like, that's a – I mean, listen, just not having Trent Williams is a big difference maker in sure. that and game. And we can get into that in the matchup Right, we'll get certain. into that in so, the matchup. So it's projected so It's projected results. based on what's going on right now, like the personnel changes, maybe the bad luck that they had in the beginning of the season. Maybe it's now switching to good luck at the end of the season in right. terms of being able to, you know, face the Redskins without – key pieces that and, help And them. obviously the team that loses the game between the Chiefs and the Raiders, their playoff odds are going to take a huge, huge hit. hit. So huge that's hit. essentially an elimination game. We'll get to yep. that in a little bit. Let's shift to the uh, the NFC and how that picture is looking. Okay, the Eagles at 100% and I'm sticking to it. You got it? Great. Yeah, they were right. upset. The, <laughs> Number uh, the two. The NFC East folks were very, especially the Cowboy <laughs> fans, they got really upset when they saw 100%. Listen, the Cowboys are back on this list. So they we're got good. a 0.1% chance of winning the division, okay? Yep. 0.1. All right, 0 .1. so it goes Eagles, then Saints by a teeny bit, like one-tenth of a percent. Then the Vikings, Rams, Seahawks, Panthers, and just on the outside, the Falcons, which, but that number, like, you know, whereas the Chiefs and Ravens are very close in percentage from six to, uh, from six to seven, the Panthers and Falcons are a little bit further away. Panthers almost 70%, Falcons 28% um, in this model. So Falcons on the outside, then Packers, then the Lions, toodaloo, Lions, than the Cowboys uh, rounding out the top 10. Yeah, we, we had mentioned that last week, and I thought the Lions were going to win that game against the Ravens, um, that last week was kind of their their moment. They, yep. they, and they still they still have a very favorable schedule, these final four games, but it seemed like that was kind of the one that they needed. Um, what, was the, what was the biggest jump in here? Um, I would assume it's the Seahawks, right? Because they booted the Falcons after that head-to-head -head win. Yeah, the Seahawks. Or I should say they won and the Falcons lost this last week, not head-to-head. The Seahawks had a big jump, but I think the one that surprised me the most is actually this Thursday night game, the Saints having the second highest playoff odds by one-tenth of a percent over the Vikings. Really interesting one, and that's just based on who's left. They get the Falcons twice. You saw that Falcons defense be very vulnerable. You saw a blueprint for how to beat them, um, and you, when you look to see, okay, when, you, when I look ahead to see, like, who do the Vikings have? They have at Panthers, at Packers. Now, Aaron Rodgers' potential return oh, I love it. at Packers is what changed 
the projection. So like. It, so did you run a simulation with oh, Aaron Rodgers as I the ran starter? In I ran out. I ran twenty. I ran thirty percent. Okay. I went forty percent. Like I ran all of so the different can scenarios. So right, what, what can you tell us about that? Like how does how does that shake out if Aaron Rodgers comes back next week? Literally, it completely changes. The I would playoffs. imagine, right? <laughs> I would so, imagine. If Aaron, so I, I think it kind of goes like this, logically speaking, and from everyone I've talked to at that organization and that knows Rodgers in in a very educated manner, it's one of those things where if they win this game and they really have realistic odds, then I think Rodgers will try to come back. And if he does so, that means a realistic shot at a playoff run, not just making the playoffs, but if you see when I tweet this out, the Super Bowl percentage for the Packers it jumped. is 4.3%. So that's with Rodgers in there. That Because it they wouldn't go if they didn't have Rodgers. Does that make sense? So yes. The way that that works is that the you The best see quarterback in the league can have that sort of impact. Giant yes. impact. Um, and that if you want to just kind of quickly, their remaining schedule, you, and we'll get to this just yep. in a brief moment, but at Cleveland, you assume Brett Hundley maybe can win that game and the Packers can win that game after that uh, the win over Tampa. Um, then at Carolina, Minnesota, at Detroit would be the Rodgers games. Right. Not easy by any no, stretch at Carolina No, they're not easy at all, but Minnesota. it completely changes the Packers' right odds of winning each individual game if Aaron Rodgers is playing or if Aaron Rodgers isn't playing. So this week could be a real turning point. And I believe, I mean, we've seen him throwing. I don't think they're, like, posturing and trying to, like, scare people by having him on the sideline. I mean, that would be really funny if they were. But I think that it's real. I think he's scare trying to come me. back. He's a competitor. He And then he's going to – I really – I mean, think about how much money he'll make if he'll – he comes back to these three games, make takes him to the playoffs, make a deep playoff run. $32 million? Hey. Come on. State Farm and Nationwide will freak out and start bidding <laughs> for his services. Uh, and just quickly, because I have it in front of me and it will make me sound smarter than yeah. I really am, the uh, week-over-week -week playoff odds shift. The biggest one was the Titans after mm -hmm. their win, uh, up nearly 19% from 72 to 90. Uh, and the Chiefs dipped significantly after their loss uh, to the Jets, 71% all the way down to below 50% mm -hmm. for playoff odds. So those were kind of your biggest moves. Uh, and I would assume we'll see an even bigger one. And your Chargers fans the, were uh, on me about it. The Chargers and the Ravens asked me why their odds went down after a win, and it was because of, it was because of Oakland winning. So, because Oakland now has a greater percentage to get in because they are also right. six and, and six. I got you. So, so when you're looking at these odds week over week, people on Twitter who I love very much, just look at relative and, and ranking because that's that's really where the difference is. And the odds become will inherently become less as more teams get closer to 100. So the rest, it has to add up to a certain amount, right, Six, 600%, right? So when as those get closer to 600% overall, the other ones have to go down. Makes sense? Makes sense. Okay. Yeah, you can't have the, the Raiders go up and nothing else be affected, right. let alone a team that's in their own right. division. Right, so look at, look at, the, look at the, the, rank, like the relative rankings. Okay, so those are your playoff odds. Now let's get to the matchup of the week. Mm -hmm. And the aforementioned Raiders versus Chiefs is our matchup of the week because, as we said, a pseudo-elimination game. game. I mean, it has that potential based on what the Chargers, the Chiefs, and the Raiders do the remainder of the season, but... Whichever team loses this game is, is going to take a heck of a hit. So let's get it started, Cynthia. Winner and score. So I have the Kansas City Chiefs coming out on top with a score of 24 to 23. A very tight matchup in this one. And I love that we're kind of fatalists about things because there's so many great games this week that could be like positive, like, oh, your chances to make the playoffs. And we're like, let's pick the right? elimination because one. Because it is. I mean, especially, <laughs> especially because the Raiders won that first game. So if the Chiefs lose this one, they then lose the tie. They have to beat the Raiders by at least a game in order to get in because they'll have been swept 
by the Raiders. So this is huge for the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, look, it's huge for both It's also huge for the Chargers, too. Yeah, it's huge for the Chargers as well. Exactly. Right. <laughs> as they're playing the Redskins this week, and they get the Chiefs next week. All right, so why, why the Chiefs by one? So to me, one of the biggest tipping points in this matchup is deep passing. So it's one thing that, you know, look, Alex Smith, 125 passer rating, which ranks number one on 21-plus air yard attempts. And Oakland's defense allows a passer rating on 21-yard air attempts of 131. Seems to match up pretty well. Which is good for number 32, meaning last. last. Yeah, that secondary has been bad this year. It's been very bad. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's something that, that Reggie McKenzie tried to fix. Obviously drafted Gary and Conley high. He's out for the year. The signing of Sean Smith has certainly not worked out. And that's essentially what got the Chiefs' offense rolling in, in New York is they were able to throw downfield, particularly to Tyreek Hill. Let's talk about yeah. the Chiefs' offense in New York. Alex Smith is throwing long. He wants Kareem or Tyreek Hill. Left side, 35-30. Tyreek Hill, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Kansas City. The cheetah comes in from drops from a helicopter and burns Rashad Robinson, a 79-yard bomb to Tyreek Hill from Alex Smith. They could not convert their downs. They were on the field for like 17 minutes and 11 seconds. Not like, that's a pretty exact number. And they had to throw deep in this matchup because their defense was on the field for 49 or whatever minutes. 40, whatever. That'll 40, hurt you. 43 43? Minutes. Yeah, 42 minutes and 49 seconds. There will be exact. Um, with Matt Nagy calling plays, you did see Alex Smith take his 10 deep passing attempts last game. So... I guess the point here is that they're not afraid to call them, and three of their touchdowns were on these such deep And that's what passes. was working earlier in the year, and they just got away from it for whatever reason. Well, there's a good reason why they got away from it. Why is it. that? There, there's two reasons. The first, their O-line. So I measure when an O-line, like in the trenches, if your O-line it gets is getting pushed back, you can easily measure it with geometry and some computer vision. Sounds really easy, right? Sure. And fun. Like, really. I was just going to say that. My Sundays are really awesome. Sounds um, like it. <laughs> so when your O-line gets pushed back, it means fewer yards before contact for your running backs. Kareem Hunt, we've seen that exactly happen with him. It means less, you know, favorable situations for your quarterback, so more an increase in pressures. And by the way, they come from all sides, and that means that you're not able to let a deep play a deep pass play develop as often. So you and your running game isn't as great and Less time to throw, less time for routes to develop. Right. So both things are bad. So if you look at the first down, so I took a little study on like what's going on in first down, because if you look at the combined yards on first down, they lead the NFL 6.8, the average is 5.3. But you got to look at what happened. In games one through five, they were like 113 rushing yards per game on first down. That was crushing the league. Since then, week six through 13, 34 yards on first down. They're not getting these these first downs to get you another first down. They're not putting themselves in favorable situations. They rank now number 20 on four-plus plays or four-yard or more plays on first down. Negative plays, they rank 22nd now after starting ranking number one in the league by a mile. And red zone scoring, they rank 28th after starting by a mile ahead. However, this is a get-right game because that secondary is something Tyreek Hill, can, they can – they can, they can target. exploit it. Right. And Carl Travis Kelsey. And, and Travis Kelsey against Carl Joseph. I mean, that's going to be an interesting matchup to watch because Carl Joseph is great, but you're going to really have to watch that. The uh, the biggest thing that, that I've noticed about the Chiefs is, and, and this was something that I projected at the beginning of the year, mm-hmm. is I said that defense is old. Yep. And I just expect yep. that defense to age dramatically this year. And it didn't happen at the start because Justin Houston was on a tear. 
but now we're seeing the effects of it. So I've heard from people who were within that organization that they're going to do like a major overhaul. And of course, you don't have Marcus Peters playing in this particular game, something to exploit for fantasy purposes. The one bright spot, though, if you're a Chiefs fan, Reggie Ragland. They love him. They think he's a stud. They traded for him from the Bills. There's something happy to, you know, hang your hat on. Um, Derek Carr under pressure is you know, about a 59% completion percentage guy, 70 passer rating. So that's the way to exploit him. However, the Chiefs defense pressure rate, exactly what you pointed out. Like since week six, it's been, you know, something like 17% after being 29% in the first few weeks. So that's, And they're just ravaged by injury. They're ravaged by injury. So then they've started blitzing more. And then the Chiefs defense is... The secondary is not good enough to deal with a blitz. Right. And that's, yeah, I mean, not to fast forward too much, but nope. that's the difference with the Chargers is they are not blitzing. Ever since they've had this turnaround, they are getting to the quarterback with four. It's easy to believe with Bosa and Ingram. Yep. And that is allowing the secondary to be much more effective. This, All is right. a, this is a Marshawn Lynch fantasy game too. Chiefs defense, 32nd against runs of 10 plus and 31st against rushes of four plus. You mentioned it's a, uh, a get-right game for the Chiefs. I'm going to I'm gonna take the Raiders. I okay. think I am. I'm going right. to take the Raiders. I just feel like – Listen, I have them by one point, so I'm yeah, not like that exactly. much They beat Denver. You, right? They beat New York. They're mm-hmm. trending kind of in the right direction. Crabtree is is back. Yep. Um, no Marcus Peters. I'm going to I'm gonna go with the Raiders, and the Chiefs are just – Seth just not Roberts, right. if no Amari Cooper. Right. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's – I'm with you, though. It, it could go either way. I'll just I'll, – I'll leave <laughs> Raiders. What the heck? You take the Chiefs, I'll take the Raiders. Perfect. All right, let's get into the Freeland forecast. These are the uh, the other four big games this week following our matchup of the week. And we got a big one out here in Los Angeles at the Coliseum. Uh, Rams versus Eagles. Uh, winner and why? I have the away team coming out on top, 25-24. So this one is all about third down. Two great quarterbacks. I'm actually going to show you some cool comparison between okay. the two. But Eagles second and third down. Rams defense ranks 13th on third down. Running the ball is going to be an interesting value proposition for the Eagles because when Philadelphia has the ball, it is going to be about the Rams controlling that run game and getting off the field on third down. That's going to be one of the major keys to the game because, look, both – so when you when you look at Carson Wentz in both against the blitz and against pressure – Carson Wentz has top numbers. Like, look, you can talk about number of touchdowns. You can talk about completion percentage. Well, Wentz leads all leads the league with seven touchdown passes under pressure. Aaron Donald is a big pressure provider. But and a different kind of pressure because it comes right up the gut. Totally. But it, you still have to remember they've got these options with a run game. And they do and, blitz a lot. And they do – oh, they do blitz um, actually – uh, the second most often in there the league go. is how often <laughs> that the Rams would be a lot. And Rams has uh, – Rams. And Wentz has 12 touchdown passes um, when facing the blitz. Wentz looking. He's stepping up. He's rolling. He's being chased. He fires the football, and it is caught! Caught along the far sideline, and making the catch and finally being thrown out of bounds is Nelson Aguilar. I don't know how Wentz got the ball there, and I thought it was going to be picked off. And instead, it was a big play for Aguilar. To me, this number one red, sco- red zone scoring offense, the, the Philadelphia Eagles have the edge on that side of the ball by a little bit, mostly because of the secondary in that case. And then on the other side of the ball, Goff's passer rating 101.6 when teams bring five or more. That ranks number eight. Eagles defense, 61.3 passer rating when they rush five 
or more. That's the best passer rating in the league. So when they blitz, it's the, the secondary is making up for it, which is what's not necessarily happening on the Rams side. Rams blitz, but their secondary will give it up and you know give up the pass to a good quarterback. Whereas when the Eagles blitz, their secondary is taking care of it. I think the one the one misnomer with the Rams is the the run defense, mm-hmm. just because they've gotten and granted they've gotten gashed. They played some good run teams though. Um, I just I feel like that defense is so much better than it was at the start of the year. And I guess, again, not to freaking turn everything back to the Chargers, but it's similar to the Chargers. They're still in the bottom three against the run. But the last four weeks, you wouldn't know it. Um, and I feel like that Rams defense is different than it was at the start of the season. And a lot of the statistical measures are still dinging them for that. Um, so you have two, like, recency biases working for it. The first one is you saw Philadelphia not really be able to run at all versus the Seahawks right. and Bobby Wagner. So that's kind of stuck in people's heads. And you've got, remember, so many – three at least different options for running backs on this team. Then you have the Rams. Like, when you think of the Rams, you think, okay, over the past few weeks, like, I just – Michael Brockers, like, Aaron Donald is great against her. Like, you feel like you're seeing Al Goldtree. Like, you're seeing all these people just stop runners. I still think you have to look at, like, how – this Eagles team, like what kind of runs that they execute and that they have, and then how that matches up with, like, I don't think they have a Bobby Wagner type. Like, that's not how they. Oh, the Rams do not. No, right. They most definitely do not. I mean, well, who does, right? I mean, Bobby Wagner's arguably the defensive player of the year. Exactly. (laughs) So that's, that's a different deal. Um, It's interesting because, you know, the Eagles spent the whole week out here on the West coast. They They played Seattle. They're down in orange County working out in Anaheim for this one. Um, so maybe the travel is less of an impact for them. Um, this was kind of when you looked at it after the first half of the season, this was the stretch that you were like, okay, this is maybe where the hiccup comes mm-hmm. for the Eagles. They already had the hiccup in Seattle, and and you just wonder whether or not it lasts an extra week or if the flip side of that is we saw the Rams lose in Minnesota against a very good team. Now they beat the Saints. They crushed the Cardinals. So did they weather that little – part See, of their my, schedule that we still thought might get them. And I feel like they did after beating the Saints at home. So I think that you're right. Against no Marshawn Lattimore in the secondary, though, I should say that was a big deal that the Saints were without their both their starting corners. So when you look at Goff in that Minnesota game specifically, the designed pressure is a huge difference. So designed pressure meaning it comes from all different angles. It's not just one great pass rusher. It's a multiple coming from all sides of the front. And Philadelphia – in terms of their ability to bring pressure, maps more closely to Minnesota than they do to like Cam Jordan and, and the Saints, who kind of just can't, you know, they remember right. they didn't have Alex the Okafor on the other side when the Saints played the Rams. So you're only getting you're getting less designed pressure coming from all sides and more just from that Cam Jordan. Like listen, Cam Jordan is ridiculous and he turned my one of my favorite players, Andrew Withers. He he like he, Andrew had a hard time yeah. against him. But that was one of those things where you're like, okay. You know, it's not coming from every side. Then you saw Minnesota, like Everson Griffin, like it just came from everywhere. Yeah, I would say, you know, as I'm being asked to make the pick here, how about this? Um, okay. I still, and it's terrible to say because he certainly earned it. I just, I don't know about Jared Goff yet. I still cannot wash myself from what we saw last year. And Todd Gurley's been so good mm-hmm. that, like you said, when you're facing the number one rush defense, uh, how does Goff respond to that if, in fact, they shut down Todd Gurley and it becomes a Jared Goff game? And I just don't know if he can get out of that. Um, I just tr- I trust Wentz so much more than Jared Goff uh, right now from what we've seen this season. So, all right, I'll, I'll lean your way. I'll go uh, Eagles as well, and I'll say they win by at least a field goal. All right, so, Cynthia, let's get to uh, next up, Seahawks-Jaguars. Seahawks coming off that big victory over Philadelphia, put them back in the playoff race. Winner score as they travel to Jacksonville. 
Jacksonville coming out on top 21-19 in a close game, a home victory. This is kind of Jacksonville's statement game per my model. This is what will drive them, you know, kind of put them over the top in terms of playoff odds for next week. And we talked about that MVP bowl last week between the Seahawks yeah, People and got upset Eagles. that like Tom Brady. It's wicked horrible. Brady's the MVP. What's wrong with you? Sorry. So, <laughs> between those two. Russell Wilson and between Carson Wentz, both have 29 touchdowns, which lead the league. However, Russell Wilson has thrown a run for 29 out of the Seahawks' 30 touchdowns. That's 97% no of all their touchdowns. Right. Like that's They're on Mike Davis now. Correct. Yeah. Exactly. 97% would be the highest percentage by a single player in NFL history. You know what else would be a highest player, uh, highest percent in NFL history? His 82% of team yards if it holds for the rest of the season. 82. I find that easy to believe. I find it very <laughs> easy to believe that 97% and 82% and to, would, would be the be, highest in the history of the league. Since the Super Bowl era, since yeah. forever. Like, I mean, I'd have a hard time. Both of these, listen, for me right now, it's one and one A. Like, you could make the argument that, Carson Wentz and the Eagles should get it because their record's ridiculous. But like, how is Russ? How can you say Russell Wilson isn't? Ninety-seven percent of the touchdowns. If, without him, you have three <laughs> percent of the touchdowns. I just, anyways. Yeah. So focusing on this game, I just want to yes. put that out there for my, you know, MVP That's good voting. Stuff. Seattle has the most receiving yards in the slot. Did you know that? Because I didn't. Did not. Mm -mm. Nine hundred and sixty-seven, but only three touchdowns. So this is like hidden yards, if you will, right? Like, they, they're getting these I would guess the Chargers are up there, because since they moved they King into the slot is when he started piling up all those yards, and Travis uh -huh. Benjamin works uh -huh. out of the slot. So yep. that's, I would guess they're toward the top there. They Again, are. I've got to get the Chargers in there, don't I? Jeez, I need you to stop do. with that. I, I'll i double check this for you, but I believe the Chargers are four or five. So, Seattle. Philly's won. probably up there as well with Nelly Aguilar. Anyway. Right. And Jacksonville's defense allows the fewest yards in slot to the slot uh, receivers, 388 and a passer rating of only 76, which is the sixth lowest in the NFL. That's one area where you're not – those hidden yards, 967, that's quite a few over the course of the season. Russell Wilson, the second most deep passing attempts, that's 59 if you're tracking at home. Seventh highest passer rating on them, which is 105. But – A.J. Bouye and, and Jalen Ramsey together have a sub-45 passer rating allowed. And then you have to also talk about Saxonville with four players with six or more sacks, 45 total sacks yeah. leads the league. Lead the league in sacks. Uh, and, you mentioned Bouye and Ramsey. It's very hard to make a case they're not the best cornerback duo in the league. And when you combine that with Saxonville, Makes for pretty potent defense, well, uh, especially when you also, combine it with the offensive line and no running game of the Seahawks. Offensive line and Russell Wilson being the leading rusher and Jacksonville number one against the rush. Like These are all things that are very tricky. But I do want to point out on the other side of the ball, there are some flags here as well. Bobby Wagner, who's incredible force against the run this season, going to be a tough task for Leonard Fournette to get around. This is part of why, I mean, look, the Jacksonville Jaguars, if their offense turns over the ball, this game could easily be won. It's a close It's a close game, only a two-point difference per my model. So it could happen. However, what's more likely is that you're going to see, like, very boring runs on Jacksonville's offensive side and then, you know, maybe some, some shorter passes. We've actually seen Bortles with – on a 13-game streak with no deep completions. That's the second longest streak in the NFL currently. That's something I yeah, expect to They do not to trust continue. him. That's, that's for certain. Um, that, that's, and that's you just mentioned it with Fournette. And what am I going to do now? You know what I'm going to mention 
you know, Chargers should have won that game. Yep. Gus Bradley coordinates their defense. It's a cover three defense. They yep. run some cover two principles, but it's mostly a cover three. They run blitz the heck out of Jacksonville. Leonard Fournette had his worst game of the season, 30 yards rushing, no touchdowns. And usually you see Leonard Fournette get better in the fourth right. quarter when they're playing from ahead. Exactly. It's like seven yards he per carry. He wasn't even out there. Right. Wasn't even out there. They neutralized him. So I think you're going to – and look, the, the Seattle defense, they're, they're the best at it. You know, mm -hmm. with that single high safety, you mentioned Bobby Wagner, the best sideline to sideline linebacker. I lean Seahawks here. I just I, I think this becomes, like you said, a Blake Bortles game, uh, especially Leonard Fournette's dealing with that high ankle sprain. Yep. He has not been the same guy he was at the start of the season, and a lot of us wondered about that based on the usage rate that he had, if he was going to break down because he had while he was at LSU, and it's happened. Um, and I just I think you will see a very similar game to the one the Chargers played, the difference being the Chargers gave that game away. They got two interceptions in the final five minutes and just blew it. Got a fumble late. Could not convert a single first down late, and that's how they ended up losing a game that they really, I would say, if you were doing your you know, win, win percentage odds, yep. they would have been in the 90s, yep. um, and they still gave it away. And I, I just imagine the Seattle Seahawks coming out ahead in a very similar-looking contest. I don't disagree with that. I mean, I have a two-point difference in this one. I just feel as though they're, the, the Jags have kind of stopped doing the weird play call. We saw last game their play call became much more predictable, if you will. Right. And they made sm like smarter calls in the sense of what the higher probability calls are. So to me, that was the other tipping point in this one. All right, two Steelers and wait, wait, one, one more giving, thing. Are we giving Russell Wilson the MVP if they win this game? Uh, this podcast. Well, no, I, I believe that if the Seahawks make the playoffs, they don't even have to win the division. I just believe if they make the playoffs, he will get the MVP. People vote right now for the MVP. Sometimes I don't know if people know when you vote for the MVP, but they, they vote now. So that's like now until like Christmas is approximately right. when they vote. They don't so, have to vote now, but they no, can. But, and, but yeah. they typically do. So when you're voting, you have to remember, like, when are people in people's awareness? And when is – so that's why I think that it it's – I mean, it's hard not to vote for Tom Brady. He has right. the best numbers. I mean, completion percentage, yards, touchdowns, interceptions, rating, all of that favors oh, Brady. But, again, it, you can give it to – and that's the thing that I hate doing with that, right. that, that exercise. Right. I don't care. Give it to Russell Wilson, great. Give it to Tom Brady, great. Give it to Carson Wentz, great. I'm fine with any of them. If Let's you ask me who I'm voting for, uh -huh. I'll give it to Russell Wilson. So here's, here's what I'm, I'm going to be very equitable. I'm going to give Tom Brady the Super Bowl trophy, and I'm going to get Russell Wilson the MVP. Well, I mean, I'd rather have the MVP, but that's because I'm an arrogant <laughs> jerk that's only interested in my own success and not the team's. All right, to uh, Steelers and Ravens on Sunday Night Football. What do we got? Winner score. I have Pittsburgh coming out on top at home, 23-19. In the beginning of this week, before we knew about injuries and everything, you know, and who's going to be playing and who's suspended and who's not and all these different things. It was a little bit bigger difference. Like, I think it was 26-19, went down to 23-19 as Juju Smith-Schuster has been ruled out of this game, et cetera. And I actually want to start this by talking about how incredible Ryan Chazier has been and the loss of him in the middle of that field. Like, that defense is going to look different. So you don't be surprised if next week, once we see some of the looks, like the Ravens, you know, I talked about, how Blake I'm going to stop you there because that's important. We talked about this before we started um, the podcast. Mm -hmm. You can't run simulations without Ryan Shazier yet because you don't because know. Because he plays such a high amount right. of snaps. So you have no idea. We don't know what we're going to do. Yeah, you don't know what player to plug in, What mm -hmm. if it adjusts their blitz rate, all of those things, and you'll need at least a game sample to be right. able to do that. So that's why at people that want to know. Per right. right. Personnel is super key. So just as an example, from weeks seven – to 12. Ryan Shazier, his tackles went up just monstrously. 
And part of what you saw there is the Ravens leading the league with the fewest rushing yards. It's like 62 per game allowed to opposing offenses. Ryan Shazier's impact, it's hard because at his position, you don't see sacks, right? Like, he, he's not – He's not sacking quarterbacks. So, it's like Bobby Wagner. Right. Like, a ton of tackles, a making ton big of plays, tackles, breaking up pass routes in the middle of the field. Stopping those extra chunk yardage after catch, yard, stopping them after, like, yards after first contact for running backs. Like, you're not getting into that second level with Ryan Shazier there. So you almost, like, I tried to run it without him, and I'm telling you, the number of snaps he plays just absolutely made it, you know, it was a, right. the, the so fidelity. So maybe we'll have a better idea next We're going to use a math term. The fidelity of the model was too compromised running it in like with any certainty, right? Like you ha- I don't know for certain what they're going to do with their other potential players. You have to run it with like an average of, you know, who potentially who's on their exact roster. We don't know what they're going to do. Okay. Anyways, I, I want to point out. Like, but I think it's important awesome. because people right. expect you to be able to run that simulation and you just can't do nope. it yet. Nope. So, so like, this game. This game's key. So I pointed out that Blake Bortles had 13 games with no deep completions. Joe Flacco, number one, 14 games with no deep completions, which is something that could give the uh, Steelers cornerbacks a little bit of relief. We've seen them getting – we saw them two weeks ago. We saw how they were vulnerable two weeks ago. So maybe in this game that was part of the thing that drove the Steelers over the top in this one is the lack of potential for deep completions, just not as likely to happen because we haven't seen it happen. In this game, it's all about defensive pressures. Both teams – Top seven in the league versus sacks this season. Steelers have 40. They rank number two in the league behind Jacksonville. The Ravens have 33 sacks. They're tied for number seven. Like, that pressure is going to be one of the keys to the game. Ravens bring a blitz off the edge. Stafford hit. Ball is loose. And it's picked up on the run. Pierce has it for the Ravens at the 40. Check that Willie Henry, and he's down to the 35 of the Lions. Eric Weddle on the blitz, forced the fumble, and then Willie Henry scooped it up shortstop style and rumbles all the way down to the Lions 35, first down Ravens. Both quarterbacks right now, exact same passer rating under pressure, 47.4, but they're moving in opposite directions. Love that. Joe Flacco started out 73, first five games, and Ben Roethlisberger, his passer rating under pressure was one, not right. ranked one. That like, was the Jacksonville one. game that got him. Right. Those, what was it, a five-interception game? Right. And it was all, yeah. So, yeah, so I would it, assume but, that'll just nuke your – Yep. It, he had a passer rating of yeah. one. It's just amazing. So they're moving in opposite directions. Without Juju Smith-Schuster, he actually has 213 yards on 20-plus receptions, which is one of the highest in the league, highest among rookies. Um, without him and without <laughs> – no Jimmy Smith on the other side, the cornerback right, for the Ravens. Now out with the Achilles. You're actually switching to maybe more Marlon Humphrey, who's a rookie. He's had a good passer rating, too. So Jimmy Smith's around a 51. Uh, Marlon Humphrey around a 60% passer rating allowed. That's an interesting one to watch because he hasn't played very many snaps. So we're going to get a chance to see really who Marlon Humphrey is in these upcoming games. Um, an interesting one there. I don't love the Martavis Bryant substitute. I just think all of Juju Smith-Schuster's targets, not all of them, but they it kind of goes to like more Lev Bell and more Antonio Brown. It's not a substitute Mar- Martavis Bryant thing. It's a boost everyone else. Right. So both A.B. and Lev Bell are my number one in their respective positions in fantasy for the week. Uh, I will echo your sentiments. Take the Steelers, and that will allow us to move on to the Vikings-Panthers. I have Minnesota coming out on top, 24-22. At Carolina, no less. At Carolina. And both teams, you know, this is this is higher scores than you might expect given each defense. That is higher than I would have expected. I would have thought like 17-14-ish kind of area with these two defenses. Yep. Nope. 
I have yep, a little nope. bit more like <laughs> I have a little bit more like 24, 22 Minnesota. So Minnesota Minnesota's best third down offense and defense is the true tipping point here. You know what's kind of cool is that Case Keenum is on a streak of four games. I'm not jinxing him. Don't worry. It's Case Keenum. Like every week you have to pretend he's not starting. But he's had four games with 100-plus passer rating and 70-plus completion percentage. Like that's a streak that not very many quarterbacks have achieved, which four full games with with the, both of those results is pretty, is pretty cool. Um, he's also sixth best passer rating against the Blitz and the most yards against the Blitz. And the, this is important in this game because you know who blitzes the most often? Panthers. That works for him. Right. So on Carolina's side of the ball, um, if you look over two years of Cam's passer rating against the Blitz, it's like third worst, 73 passer rating. And the Vikings are third most effective this year when people, when, when they Blitz. So 56 this year is their passer rating. So again, it's that front end and then the Xavier Rhodes, the back end working together and the league average is 87. So they're, you know, 30 points better than the league average in passer rating allowed. The defense, um, and, and this was the conversation we had going into the Falcons game last week because mm-hmm. everybody was getting into the Falcons. You know, the offense is right. Those deep crossing routes are working. Uh, we forgot how good this team was last year. It just took them a minute. And then you saw what the Vikings were able to do. I mean, just completely shut down an offense that had been humming. I mean, really humming along. And it's a reminder of how dominant a team can be on that side of the ball. We're so focused on offensive football regularly that we forget really good defense wins a lot of games in this league. And, and Defense travels money. There you go. Defense <laughs> travels, and uh, the Vikings very well likely have the best one in the league. And there's no way I'm taking a hobbled cam, a flawed Panthers offense that hasn't figured out what it wants to be all season mm-hmm. long. You know, they, they tried to be the hammer with, with – Jonathan Stewart, and then Cam's not going to be running as much because we want to protect him. And then for like a six-game stretch, Cam was running all over the field and making a ton of plays. Eric Kendricks is going to have a little something to say yeah, about that. Yeah, it just it doesn't it does not match up well for the Panthers against a defense that is this stout. And really, as you mentioned, an offense that has an identity now. Ever since they shifted to Latavius Murray, they're running those play actions. They've got two really good receivers that they can rely on. Not to mention a great pass catching tight end in the middle of the field. And the one the one thing that I had an issue with at the start of the season was the offensive line. I just didn't buy it, and it's been great, and there's there's no two ways about it, you know, and Case Keenum, he's Case Keenum, but he fits, you know. it's It all fits. It seems like it just all fits for the Vikings this year. Talk about return on investment, $2 right? million for Case yeah. Keenum. That's incredible. Um, I do want to point out that Minnesota has a second-best rush defense, and Carolina has the fourth-best run defense, so those are two things to consider. The one thing for fantasy, if you are relying on Devin Funches in your playoff, this is a warning for you. Since trading Kelvin Benjamin away, Funches has lined up wide. That's where he typically lines up. Weeks 9 through 13 is 137 passer rating when targeted when he lines up wide. But this is a horrible, horrible matchup. The Vikings, okay, so. You got Xavier Rhodes out Xavier there. Xavier Rhodes, since week 7. Once this, this season by Marvin Jones. That was it. Passer rating of 77 allowed. That's half yeah. of what you're typically getting when you get Devin Funches. So remember, if you're relying on him in your fantasy playoffs, it's not that the volume won't be there, but it's not as great of a matchup in this one. Just just beware. Be aware of it. Don't expect him to go bananas on you. I, uh, I am not advising our listeners to do this if they are in the fantasy playoffs, but I am. And uh, in my family fantasy league, I have Cam Newton and I have Jimmy Garoppolo, and I am playing Jimmy Garoppolo yep. against the Texans this week over Cam well, because of this defense. Everson Griffin and Matt Khalil, that's a really bad 
Um, bad deal. That's a really bad matchup, and and not bad if you're a Minnesota fan, but it's it's not a great matchup if you're Cam in that situation. <laughs> so that's where one where I think that that pressure is going to be a, a difference maker. Everson Griffin's ridiculous. From our Freeland forecast to our quick picks, and we'll get through these uh, hopefully 10 games in 10 minutes. We have two pretty big ones um, near the top, though. So let's get started with Redskins, Chargers, winner and score. Chargers, 25-21. Pass rush is the difference in this one. Big difference. No Trent Williams means a lot better opportunity to make Kirk Cousins have to work extra hard in this one when you've got Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram. You know, this, this, is, a, this is a really... Not a nice week to not have your one of the best left tackles in the league probably yeah, not playing, right? Not to mention, I mean, Morgan Moses left with that ankle last week. Jordan Brandon Sheriff's been banged up all year. Right. No Jordan Reed. Um, and I think Joey Bosa is making a push for defensive player of the year. Mm -hmm. I mean, if the, the Chargers, in fact, do win this, you know, win out, uh, streak into the postseason, and Bosa keeps on this tear that he is on right now, um, he's got a legit shot at that. And as you mentioned, Trent Williams, Morgan Moser, two tackles down yep. here. Like, that is just a bad recipe for the Redskins. Horrible. I want to ask you why the Chargers have no points in their first possession yet. None. It's interesting. Zero. In the last two weeks, when my statistician has handed me the note that says, first points coming up for the Chargers, it's been on a 31-yard field goal attempt and a 38-yard field goal attempt, and they have missed both of them. So last week... It was a bad scene where it's a nice seven-minute, 30-second drive. You're right in position. It stalls right there at the end. A penalty gets him. You got a brand-new kicker in Travis Coons, and he hits the upright. Um, it is odd. It is it is super odd. But, uh, If they know, don't fix that, if they don't get quicker drives to begin with, like the scripted ones, the ones that they know going into it, like if they don't start working more often, that's part of what will happen, what will be a problem in the playoffs. But the one good thing for the Chargers on this streak that I have noticed they have either won the coin toss or, for whatever reason, the team that has won has taken the ball. So their defense has been on the field for the opening possession of the game, right. and it has stopped the opponent. So the Chargers Which have at good. least been able to flip the field. Absolutely. So even without any points, it's not like they're going three and outs and giving the opposing defense good field position to start the game. It's It's been very beneficial for them on this streak that it has worked out that way. Just the one thing I'll point out real quick. It's one of my favorite things in football uh, that I've been able to see. And, again, I'm biased because I'm calling these Charger games. That pass rush is so good, and it's they get there with four, that on third and longs, watch what they do. They run dime, and they have six defensive backs line up at the marker in yep. a straight line. And they know that you will not have enough time to get by them because Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram are going to get to the quarterback, and they will be able to stop you short of the marker. I did a big – so for Thursday Night Football, I did, like, a big study on how your defensive front and your – defensive backs like work together so corners and pass rush like working together to like really be a huge difference maker and that's been the difference in the Saints this season I also think that next year going forward when you get all of your cornerbacks back I mean Casey Hayward's incredible he's, but he's a pro bowler again this year no question. oh abs I mean he's a dirt ball yeah in the best most yes. loving way possible but you know he like meaning okay so if you've never listened to this podcast before we call cornerbacks who have a passer rating allowed that is worse then if you just throw the ball right, into the like ground, which is like 37.6. 39.6. So if you allow quarterbacks, a, a quarterback's better option would be to throw the ball into the dirt than throwing it to you, then you get to be a, a very dirt loving dirt ball. And go. he's one of them. But when you get Barrett back, I mean, goodness. 
Yeah, and you know what? Just quickly, Trevor Williams has been great. He has I, been that great. That was such a big hit to lose Jason Verrett because one's a boundary, one's a press. Yep. You know, and those two were, you know, Verrett was your press corner. Feisty Hayward one was up your boundary front. quarter. It was a Hayward perfect was cerebral. Yep. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it uh, and is. it has been, you know, it's been a big boon for the Chargers to have Trevor Williams back there. All right, to the Cowboys and Giants, winner score. Cowboys coming out on top, 23-22 in a closer uh, game tight. than you might. Yep, closer game than you might ex- imagine. Your your boy Chad Wheeler is going to have a rough is going to have a rough game Listen, against Demarcus I, as, Lawrence. As I said, <laughs> watching him at SC, I find that very easy to believe. So the interesting here, the interesting one here is new coach tendencies. Now, when you fire your coach in the middle of a season, we have a number of examples. It's not a high sample set, thank goodness, because people aren't getting fired all the time. But when you're at home, it's almost worth like about 2.8 points. That doesn't mean you win. It just means it your ability to score goes up a little bit. The most fascinating McAdoo stat that I heard was that in no game, even the ones that they won, did the Giants score more than 30 points with McAdoo. What? How about that? That's incredible. So home post new coach about 2.83 points additional. The one that I'm really interested in here is Evan Ingram versus Jalen Smith. To me, this projects to be a Sterling Shepard game because even though we've seen Jalen Smith be up and down, some games he's been excellent, some games he's been not, Evan Ingram Evan Ingram, and those drops, despite all the targets, means I think Sterling Shepard is where they go in this one if you're looking for fantasy, a little fantasy love there. Yeah, the O-line is still bad, and that's what you said. I mean, Chad it's, Wheeler. It, yeah, Chad Wheeler. It's, that's it's, a, it's very... a brutal O-line. It's a good pass rush with Lawrence, with Irving. You know, that it's just – it's – I'm with you. I, I I don't see how. It's great. It's an emotional story. There's going to be a ton of number 10 jerseys. Oh, I love um, that. Eli, well, let me but, be clear. I love that Eli's playing. Yeah. I think that's rad. Like, it's going to be awesome. But, yeah. But, as you said, it just it, it's not a good matchup for him. I'm with right. you. I'd go Cowboys. All right, Packers and Browns. Another this one is, where there was a firing. interesting one. Right? Another me. one was Sashi Brown was just fired yep. as per as per when we were recording this on Thursday morning. I have Green Bay coming out on top 21 19. This is a closer one than you might imagine. The real problem, Kaiser is a sub-58 passer rating and a sub-58 completion percentage. Both. It's bad. Yeah, that's not good. It's bad. Mike Daniels, I love Mike Daniels, number 76 for the the Green Bay Packers. Excellent pressure. I think he could have three sacks in this game. Three. I'm taking the Browns. Three. Okay, I do am, it. You I love am, the jo- you're a Josh Gordon believer. I am telling David you, David Joku, who's scoring the touchdown. Watching Josh Gordon last week in person, yeah. you forget what six foot three, two hundred and thirty pounds at four three speed looks like. You know like. who doesn't forget that? Casey, Casey Hayward, Hayward yep. who said best receiver I've faced all season. I mean, right. and that just speaks to what Still kind of year down, Casey's four receptions had on eleven yeah. targets. But right. man, watching and then watching how Joku was able just to streak the middle because the safety is cheating to Gordon. Because he has to, because mm-hmm. he's that good. Yep. The Green Bay pass, the secondary is not good. Nope. They are giving oh, up a not lot good. of passing yards <laughs> per are. game. They're giving up a lot of touchdowns. I'm gonna, I'm gonna call it. This is the week that the Browns get their first win. Okay. Um, now, Danny Shelton, he left the game. That's a big difference because Jamal Williams has been running difference. the ball well. So let j- me talk about Jamal Williams yeah. for a second because you have to look at. Okay, Jamal Williams. If you're staking your fantasy playoffs on him. It's a little scary on this one. Joe Schobar, Schober, Joe Schobert. Schobert, yep. Leading yeah. tackler in the league. Yeah. He, or second. He's up there. Yeah. Projects to see a lot of – Jamal Williams projects to see a lot of Joe Schobert. That could be a fantasy no-no. 
Yeah, Schobert and Kirkland have been really – well, the run defense has been good, but that's what I said. That's why Dan, I, I'd love to know the status of Danny Shelton. How healthy that's, is he? Because that's the straw that, that stirs right. the run, you know, the, the run Ooh, defense drink. I mean, it, oh. it, it starts there. He is – I'm not saying that he is Marcel Darius level yep. athletic in the middle, but yep. he's that big and he can move. Um, and he was very effective. You really had one run last week by the Chargers that helped account for maybe some better-looking run stats than it really was. And you mentioned with Kirksey and um, Schobert, that's a really good middle of the field defense. Um, so, yeah, whatever. I'll, I, this, I think this is the week. I think the Browns get the win All right. this week. They're going to get one. All right, Lions, Ugh. Bucks. All right, I have Stafford playing. He was limited on Wednesday. Uh, the coach did come out. Caldwell came out and said he's not out of the woods yet, quote. I don't know what that means. I've seen Matthew Stafford play in with gloves, with a broken collarbone, with whatever. So I'm guessing he he plays in this one, which drives my projection of Detroit 23-22. I want to point out that Golden Tate, you know what his reception percentage in the slot is? 80. Okay. It's pretty good. Yep. It's number one in the league. I would say so. Especially against this Bucks secondary. That's pretty nice little fantasy nugget, especially if Matthew Stafford plays. Kenny Galladay also draws a favorable matchup as well. Those two could be ones that would help you kind of get over the fantasy hump in this one in what I project to be a close game that the Lions come out on top. Okay. As a fan, I just don't believe it, but I'm pre- – Still I'm, a chance. Still a chance <laughs> if they it. went out and go 10-6. and six. All right, how about 49ers-Texans? I have Houston coming out on top 25-20. That's probably bigger than most people, at least like media narrative-wise. Oh, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. Yeah, I well, do. a bigger win. I think Houston 25-20. think oh, most think people Houston think it's going to be – Bigger. Yeah, I think, I, it's a, I think that's a pretty big win compared to what maybe people thought. I don't know. Um, well, you're, it's important to mention your model is a five-point win is a big win. It, in my model, a five-point win right. is, is a pretty convincing. That signals a, a bigger win than maybe 25-20 you think suggest, if that makes any sense. Correct. Um, because in my model, you, like it's, I think we've had like three games with double-digit projection maybe in the season. Right. right? So – um, Jimmy Garoppolo, we had a lot of questions before last game about, like, can you play in play action? What happens? And then you know what happened in play action last game? Went eight for eight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No no question. This is really he looked really good. I know he had the one interception early, but, I mean, just every pass was on point. And he doesn't have really good pass catchers right now. Uh, I mean, it's Marquise Goodwin and Trent Taylor, I think, are his two Trent guys. Taylor. Trent Taylor uh, Trent, is his and, number. And his Kittle favorite, is your tight end. So, you know, the, but, but he's still – Piling up nearly 300 yards passing with those targets. So Joe Staley played really well the tackle last week. He's going to face Jadavion Clowney this week, which could be um, a less favorable matchup in that regard. And then switching to the other side really quick, DeAndre Hopkins, fully playable in this one. But I want to caution against tight end Steven Anderson. This one scares me a bit because he's going to see a lot of Reuben Foster. I think that's his so situation. Good. That's a situation that I would just rather avoid. I'd rather go, like, like if you're looking for the Gronk substitute, if you're in the playoffs and you're looking for the Gronk substitute, that's not where I would go. Right. Watch him score, like, six touchdowns. But I don't you know think so. I, I, right. I mean, that... For me, it's like Clay is better. Right. Like, Croft is better. Like, people who are uh, – there's people available who are better in this situation. To the Colts and Bills. Buffalo coming out on top 23-22. I do have an asterisk here because Tyrod Taylor. Taylor did not practice on Wednesday. No faith That's in Nate Peterman? Sample size maybe yeah. skew what you think could happen if he were to go into the game? It's like the reverse Al Bundy, right? Did Al go. Bundy throw four touchdown right. passes a game or something? Five picks and a half. Right. Five picks and a half is like the opposite. So Tyrod Taylor, obviously a huge difference in what you would – would you project Colts win if no Tyrod Taylor? I would. Yeah. It would switch to probably a similarly close score, 24-22 Colts in that case if he's not playing. So keep an eye on that one. Again, if you're looking for some fantasy nuggets, if he does play, 
Clay would be the one Charles there. Charles Clay to replace Gronk. Charles Clay, yeah. And then Zay Jones actually draws a very favorable matchup against Quincy Wilson, another rookie. They both have had hit or miss games. Quincy Wilson's allowed a 126 passer rating when targeted. So if you're looking for a moonshot, that could be one okay. with a good opportunity. Bears-Bengals. I have Cincinnati coming out on top 21-16. Kyle Long, the excellent – yeah, he's out. His replacement is a guy named Tom Compton who has not in, has not shown us that he's going to be able to stop someone like Geno Atkins. It's a bad matchup. Geno Atkins seems to have a, a great opportunity pretty good. to earn some sacks in this one. Um, again, I told you Tyler Croft could be a good tight end to target in this matchup if you're looking for a Gronk replacement. Yeah, Bears uh, look to be done. Uh, the more games they lose, probably the better off they are as they need to continue. I think it's, what, four years in a row now they're going to lose 10 games. Uh, so likely whole new staff and front office and coaching and all that. They'll hit the reset button. I do want to point out your guy, Tariq Cohen, is excellent, though. Oh, good God. You would think that leading, they would use leading him more, receiver. Right? Right? You would think they would <laughs> use target. him more. Right, uh, right. And they just have not. It's the oddest thing. All you have to do is just get that guy in space and let him go, and he's just not on the field. All right, big one, Titans Cardinals. What do you got? Tennessee coming out on top 24 22. I think the one question I've been getting asked a lot is about Ricky Seals Jones. So I went it's in been and great. he's been great. Where did he go to school? AM? AM? Yep. New coach there. Yep. Um, yes, exactly. <laughs> Old Jimbo. So Wesley Woodyard is probably who's going to be tasked with stopping Ricky Seals Jones. And that to me makes him not as great of a matchup. The volume will likely be there. But the opportunity is limited because Woodyard is maybe the word is better than you might give him credit for since he's not a name we hear in the media okay. very often. So that one is one to me maybe again, Croft. The, the, there's other people with better opportunities in this in this week. Yeah, I thought maybe the Cardinals were onto something and they'd give the Rams a little bit more of, well, no of Peterson, a game, right? and it was just a hot mess. Right. Um, Titans, I just can't figure them out. I really can't. I don't know if the defense is good. At times, they look great. At times, they look average. The offense, Marco Murray wasn't effective last week. It was really one run by Derrick Henry that, that piled oh, up that a lot of those. Oh, that was incredible. It was an incredible run, a man that large moving that fast. But he did fast. that in the fourth quarter. Like, that's his, that's his fourth quarter move. Yeah. I'll just say it wouldn't surprise me at all nope. to see the Titans drop this one. Uh, Jets-Broncos. I have the Jets coming out on top, 23 20. How about that, right? Win. I mean, we're doing the fantasy stuff, and everyone's like, Josh McCown. Todd Bowles, MVP. Right? Todd Bowles. But it's like Josh McCown against the no-fly zone. You call that first uh, on the first week of the season, and you People say, hey, you're think... going to be in the playoffs. Right. You're going to play Josh McCown versus the Denver Broncos defense. It's nuts, but that's, I mean, that's how bad things are, how sideways it's gotten in Denver. It's an interesting situation. I, I loved the Aqib Tlaib quotes after last week when Adam Gase went for an onside kick in the fourth quarter and he just was mad about it. And when you went back to see why that happened, it was a personnel situation. Like people were hurt and people were not. Anyways, long story short, their, their return team, they didn't want to, people were calling themselves out of the game. They typically are on their return team. So um, ultimately in this one, the Jets have found a way to not turn the ball over and then rely on people like Jamal Adams on the other side, their standout safety, rookie safety. Honestly, he could make a good case for defensive rookie of the year in my book too, along with Marshawn Lattimore. Those two, like Jamal Adams makes a big difference in this one. I just don't know who the Broncos, um, what what we're going to see from their Offensively, play. yeah. I mean, right. it's, it's, it's and that, again, going back to the, the start of the season, you said it's the fourth best quarterback in the division. How are you going to pick the Broncos to win a division when they got out to that two or three and one start and everyone was excited about Trevor Simeon? And it's like, it's, 
you're still in a division with Derek Carr, Alex Smith, who's played well under Andy Reid and Phillip Rivers. Yep. You can't win the division with Trevor Simeon, and no matter how good that defense is. And we've seen the offense has put so much pressure on the defense because they're so ineffective that the defense has now started to fall apart. Austin Safarian Jenkins, the Broncos are very vulnerable to tight ends. If you want, if you need a tight end, ASJ could yeah. be one to help you. I mean, that's what's funny is it's been a passing attack. It's been Robbie Anderson, Jermaine Curse, and Austin Safarian Jermaine Jenkins. Jermaine Curse is ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, that's right. that's what's revitalized the Jets. And yeah, they're five and seven, and they're probably not going to make the playoffs, but they, they could win out. They could beat the, the, the Broncos. At the, I don't... Be at the beginning of the season, if you were to be like, okay, five, we're, we're at oh, We would have projected like one and 15. Right. Yeah, and I mean, what would you have predicted for the for the Giants, right? Right. Actually, I'm looking at the Jets' schedule now, so probably six and ten. I mean, they got uh, they still have to go to New Orleans. They still have to go to New England. So yeah. Well, yeah. Still. Um, all right. Finally, Monday Night Football, Pats Dolphins. Closer than the last time is what I project. Okay. New England coming out on top, 28-21. No Gronk in this one. If somehow you have not heard this yet, he's been suspended for one game. You need to look elsewhere in your fantasy playoffs. You will get zero points for him this week. That is a mathematical certainty. Okay. <laughs> it is a mathematical certainty. <laughs> Miami is the second most penalized team in the league. Do you know how many they have? 97. 97. Penalties. Oofa. Seattle's first. Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot of penalties. It's a bad scene. It's a, it's a bad scene. Um, it's kind of interesting. Without Damian Williams last week, Drake was a legitimate RB1. I mean, he had an incredible – I don't know if we would have projected that score. I certainly didn't project that score. Um, but he's an option this week. Too, if you are digging deep, he's forced seven missed tackles against the Broncos. So for fantasy purposes, if you're looking for a running back replacement, he's one to at least consider. And also, he did that getting zero help from his O-line. He had less than one yard before contact allowed on each of his rushes. That's mean. That's just mean. <laughs> I think uh, people forgot how good Drake was because it wasn't – he. you know, he wasn't the bell cow back at Alabama. No, he was behind Derrick Henry. Exactly. But – I mean, when you think about that return and just how elusive he is, mm -hmm. especially for the size that he is, it's easy to believe that he could be an every down back. Um, I, that, 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 that was, it was not all that surprising to me that he's been effective in that role. If you need a moonshot here too, Kenny Stills. Kenny Stills? Right. If, again, it's a moonshot. It's not a certainty. It's a moonshot. Let's go to your confidence index. Three things that uh, you feel most confident in. All right, so the thing that I feel most confident in is Minnesota at Carolina being in the 24 to 22 final score range. Like, again, you wouldn't think that because the Vikings defense only allows 17 points per game, which is the second best, and the Panthers defense allows 19.8 points per game. That's the 10th best. So if you add those two together, it's like 40 or less, and my model says – you know, 22 plus 24 is 46 total points. So, so more offense of than you might expect okay. in that oh. one. Number two, Houston and San Francisco. This one is an enigma. We don't exactly know what to expect. Since week nine, 49ers offense has only averaged 17.3 points per game. Texans offense only 16.2. Again, something that adds up into the 30s, but my model gives it into the mid-40s. And then the Jets and the Broncos. Jets offense is averaging 22.2 points a game, and the Broncos only 17. So, Again, another one in the 30s you like that my model likes. Week. I like offense this week. And my bonus one here, and bonus. I know that little bonus, you like it, right? Um, Philadelphia to win on the road in what should be a close game. Okay. Well, that is going to do it. Uh, another installment of our game theory and money, uh, and it is getting hot because of the playoff odds. Uh, people getting excited. Those are every that is every game saved the Thursday nighter. Uh, remember, 
If you don't mind and you enjoy the pod, please share it on Twitter and Facebook through social media. Turn as many folks as you can onto it if you enjoy it because it is a brand new pod and we're trying to keep it going. If you haven't yet, please subscribe. Let it automatically update on your iTunes, your Google Play, or your Stitcher. And again, this helps us, the ratings. It makes the pod more visible. The more ratings that are left, the more stars that are, no matter if it's positive or negative, it just helps the visibility of a brand new podcast get noticed. So, we like to read a review of the week. This one comes from Sean Conlon. I have mentioned that I do not, I'm very uncomfortable with compliments unless they're directed really solely at you. No, he really is uncomfortable. Like, I try to compliment money all the time, and he hates it. Yeah. He hates it. So here's what I'm going to do. I have taken Sean's review, and I have edited out the compliments and just replaced it Mad Live style with an adjective that you are going to choose. Here's the problem. What? I told you at the beginning of this pod, we're going to need to rely on your oh, come on. on your grammar because I'm uh, I'm going to try to figure out an adjective, but sometimes I'll get into an adverb territory. So go ahead. Give we'll me an here. adjective. <laughs> give me one. Uh, sleepy. Sleepy. Okay. Give me another one. Hungry. Hungry. Mm-hmm. All right. Can I get a noun? Puppy. And I need two more adjectives. Oh, my goodness. Run. Run? Or more of a verb. About to, uh, <laughs> that's okay. Uh, <laughs> just saying. Uh, you know what? You. What, 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 what is you. it? Um, um, uh, awful. Awful? Mm-hmm. Okay. And one more. Um, purple. Purple. That's an adjective. Yeah, it works. Absolutely. Descriptive term? Um, yeah. I don't really know. While I don't follow football <laughs> as close as I would like, it makes it sleepy to stay up to date. I can't even begin to imagine how hungry Cynthia's <laughs> models are, but she breaks it down so a puppy can follow. And the awful sounds, this is perfect, of Matt Money Smith make listening quite purple. Okay. Thank you, Sean. We appreciate that. I think that went quite well. <laughs> um, all right, that's that. A, uh, another installment. A big thank you to our producer, John Gennaro, or Gennaro, if Gennaro. I'm supposed to say it right. I imagine if I am supposed to use my Italian properly. Bene. That would be my uh, Italian. And a thank you to all of you for downloading, yes, listening, subscribing, you. spreading the word. We'll be back again next week with another Game Theory and Money. <laughs>